There's always going to be some of those, aren't there? Yeah. Okay, we'll go ahead and get started. Ooh. I have such a booming voice, you know. <laughs> well, I don't want somebody to throw something at me either, so. <laughs> no. What? How's that? Good. I just didn't want to overwhelm people with my voice. <laughs> Good morning. So, turn to Jeremiah twenty-nine, eleven. Jeremiah twenty-nine, eleven. Someone read that for me. Thank you. First Thessalonians, first chapter. First Thessalonians, first chapter, three through five. Someone read that for me. First Thessalonians one, three through five. Thank you. I'm going to take a stab at the concept of hope today in the Bible class. And these are the first couple of scriptures that I came across. The thing I like about, and Jeremiah, the one in Jeremiah, you see it on posters, you see it everywhere, and it's a good one. And the one on 1 Thessalonians, the reason I liked it, and there's a whole bunch of verses related to hope is that it talks about the Holy Spirit, but it talks about deep conviction. And I like that part, the deep conviction, as we get into like that. Because how many of us have seen people who do really well in this world in hope, and then there's people like me who struggle with the concept of hope like that. Because, finish the sentence, I hope I can whatever, or I hope I will be a, yeah. And I was, came across uh, when I was reading about this and studying about this yesterday, came across this saying in the book from a New Testament scholar, and I had to sit there and ponder it a bit, 
It says, as, Christian, as Christians, we never have the option of giving up hope. And I was going like, well, no option. We do not have the option of giving up hope. And that one kind of struck me for a while, as it did the author, that's why he put it in the book. So, what is hope? Definition time, you know me. What do you think hope is? I've got my notes, you can't see my notes. Exactly. So that leads into the people who do a lot of research in this world because, you know, one of the things in the world of psychology is that, you know, for the longest time people did research in psychology about what went wrong, you know, the hopelessness of things or what went wrong and how can we bring it up to where we were. But since that time, there has been a group of people who are studying what they call positive psychology. And this is talking about things like happiness and hope and flourish and all that kind of stuff. Well, they've been studying hope. And this is more what they call a cognitive definition of what hope is. They have three parts. Okay, so keep in mind that it's not complete because it's not fold in God, anything like that. But this is what they have so far trying to operationalize it. Feeling optimistic that my future can be better than the present. Two, identifying pathways to help me move from where I am now to where I want to be. And number three, having the motivation to make it so. That's hope. Okay. That's kind of a what they call a cognitive version of it all. The think part. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. yeah, I agree. So, what do I like about the first part? Like I said, that was a limited definition. What I like about it is, is that it's an active process. It's not passive. That's a nice thing about it. However, on the downside, it is missing that fundamental part that we all know the spiritual and the social element of hope, missing that kind of thing. And, you know, that's kind of the definite, the first one that you hear about is really the one that you hear in the secular world quite a bit. You know, the whole idea of, you know, 
that I have hope, that I'm calm and all that. But if you listen to the wording, it's I, 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 I thing stuff. Okay. We fold in God into our process. So go to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14. Somebody read that for me. Ephesians 1, 13 through 15. What do you think? So what is that scripture telling you? Mm-hmm. How would you tie that into the hope thing? Yeah, we do. But it's given. That's why you can't deny it. That's why there's no option. You are given that. So that same chapter, go to verse 18 through 20. Ephesians 1, 18 through 20. Thank you. And so one of the inspirations, or I'll say some of the directions that the Spirit has given me when I was trying to go through what to talk about today, was this one I hear, because before this we had Palm Sunday, we had Easter, we had people talking about things like that. And I've heard a lot of stories. So when I think about this, is that, you know, as I study this, as I study other items, I always have this kind of understanding, but I need this kind of understanding. (laughs) And so I'm working on that. But one of the things that really grabbed me out of that is that it is given to you, just flat out, just given to you, okay? Because I have met a lot of people in my lifetime, as you can imagine, especially in the world of counseling, that will say, I have no hope. And they are members of the church. 
And so I think about that, and I dwell on it a bit, and things like that. But when you look at the scripture, it says, hey, dude, I gave it to you. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Where, mm-hmm. And the scripture from Ephesians that uh, we just looked at answers the, the question there. We have already been given the seal of our salvation. Well, it used to be when you say, well, are you saved? You'd hear, well, I hope I am. <laughs> yeah. And that's almost a negative version of the word hope. They haven't learned yet. That seal has already been given to us. Yeah. So we don't have to, to worry about it. Hope being a, a euphemism for worry, I think, in that. Yeah. And so you're, you're right to look at those who are hopeless. It helps me to understand what a thing means mm-hmm. if I can look at what it doesn't mean. Right. And we all are tempted toward hopelessness. When we've had a bad day, nothing's gone right. We go home, the only thing we're really looking forward to is the unconsciousness of sleep. <laughs> That's, we, we might lie in bed and just think, what a rotten life. Uh, what have I got to look forward to? And it's kind of hard, to be honest, to look forward to the end game yeah. You're in the mud, yeah. and even though we need to keep that in mind, hope in that situation becomes, okay, God, it didn't work out like I thought it was going to work out, but somehow you're still in charge, and if it didn't work out the way I wanted it to work out, that just means I didn't understand what you were up to. Absolutely. And, and so hope is maybe looking at the same situation in a different way. Mm-hmm. And that's where faith really is key yeah. together with hope. Okay. I'm looking at Ephesians 1, 18, the secret. Yeah. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. It's there. We're just not aware of yeah, Exactly. I had reminds me of a story one time of that people like to help other people and because of our nature you know people will say you need some help nah I got it so let me help you nah I got it like that and then somebody reminded me one because I'm more I'm really bad about that and then somebody reminded me what I'm doing is possibly robbing them of that blessing to give to me. And that kind of turned my head around a little bit when I was thinking about that process. 
still have to deal with it because I still go, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I found that out too. <laughs> Especially when it, something what used to take me one afternoon, it takes me like two or three weeks now, kind of thing, yeah. Okay. <laughs> they, they've gotten old, I can't figure this out. <laughs> yeah. Last time Janine and I went to Temple, <laughs> which was years ago, and I was weirdly, and I said, those people got old. We be them. (laughs) Go to Romans 5, talking about what we were just talking about. Romans 5, Romans 5, 3 through 5. Romans 5, 3 through 5. Somebody read that for me. So, life always isn't so much fun, <laughs> but here it, and it talks about the idea of that, once again, I'm here, I've given you this hope. Yeah, it's going to be rough, but I'm here, kind of thing, that's what I like about it. Yeah. So I, I like that part, and there will be a method to my madness here in a little bit. So I know some people kind of wondered about that, so so do I. And uh, but what is some misconceptions I think I've seen in hope, and I'm going to bring a couple of them out for you, is because when you talk to people about hope, sometimes they say, "Isn't that just wishful thinking?" course we know differently but that's what they're all going to ask isn't that just wishful thinking you know I hope I I hope I have a million dollars I hope I you know can live to 100 years old whatever the hope is kind of thing out there is wishful thinking kind of thing and let me throw this out there wishing represents a general want or desire it's typically vague non-specific is what we call it Whereas hope is an active process. It involves a plan and a commitment. And I think that's an important part that I was going through this study that when I try to wrestle with the idea of hope is, is that you know, I'm, I'm sitting there waiting for it to happen. Nah, it didn't work that way. <laughs> it just doesn't. 
it's an active process. Another question that might be coming up is, isn't hope the same as optimism? Yes, no. Well, that's part of it, and that's pretty much you know, the idea, because when people asking about you know, what it is, but what is it isn't, or what is it incomplete in, is the idea that they have some commonalities. They're both very positive. However, optimism is more of an attitude, mindset, I call it, whereas hope is directing toward what is possible. Once again, it's much more active in process. And if I have to boil down to one thing that I really have grabbed out of this lesson is the idea that hope is and has to be an active process. It can't just be, okay, can't be that. It's got to be an active process, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Because hope is a process. It's going to be an active process. It's a plan. It's a commitment. As it talked about deep conviction, it has to be a process. Okay. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What is the, I was reading a story last night, I can't remember all the details, you probably know, the one who wrote It Is Well, yeah. With My Soul, that one, that person. Uh, all the <laughs> things that happened to that guy. And, uh, you know, and with him is It Is Well With My Soul. Kind of makes you wonder. Anyway, one of the things that some people who do this kind of studying more of in the more spiritual realm and all that stuff say, well, what is it that we have a hard time grasping hope and more in the biblical sense as opposed to the secular sense? And of course, this comes up a lot of times, especially in our society, especially since, since I've been alive, I think is the big me, the big me, yeah. And actually, it's actually an actual construct that people have studied, <laughs> strangely enough. The big me, yeah. So that just cracks me up. I found a new word. <laughs> the big me. Yeah, the big me, yeah. So I like the way it sounds. You know what that means though, don't you? <laughs> I have certain things that kind of rhyme in my head that I kind of go with, and I start saying it too much. Then Janine will go, again? (laughs) (laughs) So I got a new one. (laughs) Anyway, the big me is uh, self-interest. Once again, it gets us, pulls us away from the full meaning of hope. But for so many decades now, it's been, and you'll hear about it, and you, if you pay attention to society, you pay attention to what's going on with us these days, that we struggle with the idea of people saying, well, that's not how I see it. That's not how I think it should be. The big me. 
what that is. Because it's even to a point where people will say, well, I just agree. I don't think I, that's my point of view. I don't care what you say. And they're, and they're not even embarrassed by it. They're not even wanting to learn about it. It's gotten to that level, which would start me another lesson on humility, which I won't get into because this gets me off on a rabbit tail. But it increases self-focus and all that stuff. The big me centers on hope in myself, my vision, my motivation, my tenacity, my goals, rather than my hope centering on Jesus. So, getting it all twisted around. Yeah, I agree. Oh, yeah. 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 Which is one, yeah. Which is one of those elements of humility. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. just because they don't want to learn stuff. Yeah. goes back to Roman 5, James 1, you know, all these things that you got to do. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 And I think that one of the concepts that I was learning about was that, so it's all your fault. I'm going down this rabbit trail now. So, you know humility thing. But in order to be teachable or to learn something, you're probably going to have to be in a valley somewhere, which goes back to Romans 5, James 1, and various other teachings on humility. You just have to get to that point when you finally figure it out, oh, I don't know all the answers. Uh, oh. There you go. Yeah, that's been the valley, and working our way up, and that's how we start learning. Yeah. That prophecy in Jeremiah says that seventy years, seventy years after that prophecy was made, Daniel had gone through the valley, mm. and he had held on to hope that whole time. Yeah. And so when he went and he read that scripture, he read it with hope, did the calculation, and then said, "Hey, God, it's time." Yeah. 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 Yeah.
And that's when you should realize that it's been given to you. I agree. Turn to me, turn with me, oh, turn to me, turn with me to John 14. That goes along with what Mike is saying now. John 14, 25 through 27. John 14, 25 through 27. Someone read that for me. through 27. Which kind of go along with what Ike was saying. Here you are, we're talking about how you are given the Holy Spirit. And what are some of the characteristics of that in that scripture when you see that? Counselors, one. What else do you see? Teacher. Teacher. Reminder. Reminder. Comforter. So, so if you think about it with what Ike was saying, if you accept the Holy Spirit, what you're accepting is humility. You're accepting teachability, but you're also accepting having help from the Holy Spirit, which helps us to counsel, to teach, to comfort, to, because once again, yeah, yeah. absolutely, and that's why we try to get into this hope is more spiritual, yeah, absolutely, Exactly. Yeah. Which gets back to that teachability thing, too, I think. And, uh, yeah. Deborah Galen, tell me 
what poor really is in Kenya. The sewer line, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And I've seen similar when I've been in, when my father was stationed in overseas, but also when a bunch of us guys, when we were at Western Hills, would go down to Mexico and do work down there. Same thing, because you saw really poor or really rich. That's all you saw. And the poor were like that, you know. One line, one electrical line that ran through this whole pasture, and everybody was piggybacking on that was electricity. Yeah. Absolutely, they're tapping. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But if it's the promises of God, they're never changeable. 
Turn to Luke 18. Luke 18. Thirty-five through forty-three. Luke eighteen. Thirty-five through forty-three. That's a long one. I want to read that one. What do you think? How does that weave into what we're talking about? Well, it's, it's like open my eyes and my heart and the enlightenment that mm-hmm. bring it into life. <laughs> I think in, in that question, what do you want me to do for you? Yeah. There's some instruction in the question. If I do what you want me to do, you can't sit here and live with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That opens out a whole new can of worms, doesn't it? <laughs> One of the things that I was having a meeting with Tim Wednesday afternoon, and we were just chatting a little bit in my favorite place, one of my favorite places in Snyder, which is the coffee shop. Okay. And uh, it's a good place to meet. And we were talking about, he was asking questions, which kind of relates to this, is that he asked the question, he says, when people come to see me or they come to see him or they come to see R or whatever like that, how many really grab on the concept that they need to transform? What do you think? Who's asking me what I thought the percentage was? I said, I don't know. So I said, I can tell you about what I see. I think there's a number of which gets back to what we're talking about is that if you're going to transform there's some responsibility in that yeah as the my man so yep go ahead go get a job now <laughs> you know something like that and yeah Transforming is oh absolutely yeah yeah Absolutely. Yeah. So, to speed this up just a little bit, um, one of the things I got out of this, and hopefully you will too, is you have to have that transformation. But one of the things that I really grabbed out of this um, 
study was is that hope has to be relational, has to be relationships. And it's with a relationship with God, relationships is what Tim's been talking about, upreach, inreach, outreach type stuff. And that it has to be that. And the question is, you know, and one of the talks that I give in my other venues like that is talking about spiritual capacity or one of the gifts that we're given because God said we were given that. Here is a rhetorical question that we should ask ourselves periodically. You have a meeting with God every quarter. What would you say or do? Plan accordingly. It's part of the development of our processes and things like that. So, so I like to make a plug for Tim's 95-5 time because I think that's another thing that's kind of spurred me into this thinking, this mindset thing. Uh, learning to be quiet uh, to the self, the big me. Trying to be quiet to that, the big me part. Yeah. And accept what the Spirit is telling me being quiet. So in this hope and this transformation, when we're talking about that, it's got to be relational first and then like that. Because if you think about it, the, uh, quickly, there was an experiment that was done related to hope and prayer and all that kind of stuff. And it was a dissertation that was out there. And the experiment was three groups, groups that did prayer, group that did relaxation, and a group who did nothing, called control group. And they went for some weeks, and at the end, they gave them a hope scale on how bad their hope scales. The ones who did prayer blew everybody out of the water on the hope scale because it was relational. And I thought that was an important part because people say, well, I'm just going to I'm going to kind of chill. Well, that's relaxation. Now, people say, I'm just going to do what I want to do. That's the control group. But the ones who were praying, when they did that and looked at their scale of hope, I mean, they were, they were way up there high. I mean, there wasn't even any doubt between those two things. When you look at the concept of prayer and you look at that. Yeah. 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 You know, it's one of those, one of those sad, funny, whatever word you want to call it like that, because, you know, you look in today's world, and theoretically, it's not the first time we got too much into technology, but it's another story, is that we are, if you go with social media like that, we are super connected. I mean, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, whatever, which one are you talking about? Oh, that, that. Yet, the diagnosis of depression, anxiety is skyrocketing. 
because there's no relation. There's no relationship. And they've seen this over and over and over again in all these researches, that there's people who, during the COVID thing, were isolated. Well, because they did not have a lifestyle built in that allowed for connection. And if they didn't have connection, all of a sudden, you know, depression, anxiety went crazy. Say that again. I will still go back to what Romans 5 is telling us. That it's a, there, there are going to be rough times. And, but what do you hang on to? It goes back to the anchor. We're we talking about the anchor. Yeah. Yeah. Where's your anchor? Yeah. Is your anchor and is the depression and anxiety? You know, where's the anchor? Because that's what you hold on to when the storm's raging. And eventually the storm will pass. But you've got to hold on to something. Yeah. And that's God. Yeah. yeah. So, to wrap this up, because the buzzer has buzzed me, is that look at hope. It is not a passive concept. It's an active process that we have. You say, well, I'm just don't, I, I hope to be better. What does that really mean? You gotta have a plan, some kind of commitment. What does that really mean? Kind of thing, yeah, you know, or I want a better life. What does that really mean? You know, you gotta get it out of that vague world and get more specific with your plan, more with your commitment, that thing, with hope, so. Okay, uh, my time's up, so. Thanks, thanks for all the comments, so.